yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. We already have too much. And I know, I know I sound like, oh, my diamond shoes are too tight here. But I do think that there's just way too much options and it does overwhelm the brain. Remember, RT used to have the midweek movie or the big, big movie and stuff like that. I wouldn't watch movies in that way at all anymore, really? to be honest with you. So the only like shows I can think of that I would watch regularly would be event TVs, so the Late Late Toy Show or maybe Eurovision. I actually think the streaming culture that we currently live in is very much a part of modern day living and even like modern day humanity. You know, it is about freedom of choice. It's also about individualization. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. Square can help with your business needs from online ordering and menu management to payments. Visit square.com for more. Now, in a few months' time, Disney is going to hike the price of its online streaming service by around €2, following others like Netflix, which have done the same in recent months. Now, this means that the era of cheap streaming looks like it's over. So the question is, will you pay when the prices go up? Are there any decent alternatives? Have you tried things like Skystream, for example? And will we all ever watch the same thing again? Well, joining me to discuss this, Dee Malumbi is audience editor at independent.e and a pop culture expert. And Dave Hanratty is an arts and culture journalist. Before we get into the heavy stuff, just going to take a little straw poll here. What do you both actually subscribe to? And maybe what have you cancelled, Dee? I have far too many subscriptions. Okay. I have uh, Netflix. We have a Prime Video. Um, my husband now, he has that set up. Something to do with the delivery it's included. You have asked. Oh, you'd with have Amazon Prime. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd have mm-hmm. to ask him about all that. And now is actually one of the newer ones we're subscribed to. And if I were to let one of them go, it probably would be now. So you, you only have three? Uh, no, we also have Apple TV Plus and okay. we have uh, the Channel 4 player. Oh, and Disney Plus. Oh, and Disney Plus. Sorry, okay, I hadn't so that's finished a, that's <laughs> too a, many, like That's I said. fairly representative. Well, it's yeah. not that many. So yeah. I, I have all of those. I also have Mubu, which is the independent uh, movie uh, uh, specialist uh, oh, service. Know, yeah. Discovery Plus, YouTube Premium. 
I have as well so that I can uh, uh, listen to it with the, with the screen off mm-hmm. uh, or when I'm doing other stuff on the phone and no ads. So I, my bill comes to about it's about 60 or 70 euro a month, not including mm-hmm. um, not including Sky, uh, which which I also pay for. Dave, what about you? Uh, comparatively less, I suppose. I, was, I thought I was going to come in with all of them, but no, I only have Prime Video, yeah. Disney Plus. Uh, movie as well because you know art house films of course you mm-hmm. know nice little service there uh, I also have uh, trials at the moment with Apple and then within that Paramount Plus so again on a whim the other night oh, I, was I like, forgot oh. Paramount Plus yeah yeah, I, we're subscribed to that as well so no Netflix no I was recently using Netflix via a shared account which I hope I don't go to prison for by admitting but I, as far as I'm aware there's no illegality there but they have clamped down on that now and so uh, okay tell me what happened to you there what, what, how did that work so they brought in a new system uh, they've been threatening it for years it was always a story that you would see doing the rounds every few months and we wondered if they would actually start mm. to actually bring it in. However, they have now done it. So essentially what happened there was one day I got an email saying that your Netflix account will only be registered to one household. If you want to add another household, you pay, I think it's four ninety nine a month extra okay. to do so. So now, essentially... Household, the way they tell households apart is via an IP address, right? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's purely down to the IP address because they can locate you that way. So I stumbled into it by accident, not realizing that I would actually lock out my mother's account. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we were sharing the account there. And then I had to just kind of reroute it, register And she pays for the account, by the way, right? She does, yeah, to my great shame. That's a pretty nice (laughs) arrangement. How old are you, Dave? Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I feel feel horrendous now. I feel like I've walked Mm -hmm. in some kind of trial here. But I mean, it was just a long running agreement, you know? I Mm. I pay for other stuff, it's fine. Yeah, so basically I, I, I looked at it and I thought, I don't know if I want to sign up for an account for myself or even do the extra 4 99 thing because I'm not really using it that much. So that's interesting because Netflix, whenever they do surveys of what service most people use, Netflix always comes out on top, not just marginally, by a long, long way. It's usually considered to be the one the, the, that most people couldn't consider dropping. So you don't miss the 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 stuff I'm I'm trying to think now of series and and movies and Stranger documentaries things or something yeah like well they're, they're kind of also exclusives. the documentaries it seems that every month there's one or two water cooler style documentaries that people will watch. Uh, or we'll be talking about, but you don't miss it. They're big on the true crime thing, which wouldn't be my forte necessarily. Mm. But I think as well, the Netflix thing, the point that you bring up, I think is interesting because I think that they have a kind of a market dominance with regards to name value, brand recognition, the logo. It's almost Google-esque at this stage. It's here since 2012, I believe. I think people just take it like they're like passively, well, we should have Netflix, shouldn't we? And let's just have it there in the background. Oh, do you think, oh, see, that's kind of like, so people are dumb. No, not, nece- not necessarily. I think it's more just, a, it's so established. It's yeah. just so kind of household name. It's almost a verb. Hmm. Okay. I think that Netflix have a really kind of neat system um, set up whereby they just, they are constantly adding to their uh, library, both from kind of old content, you know, movies and TV mm. shows that were out maybe a few years ago, as well as adding like brand new stuff. So you look at, say, like some of the things that are in the top 10 now. Um, from what I remember the last time I checked, the number one movie on Netflix at the moment is The Founder. Now, you might remember this is Ray Michael Croc. Keaton. Oh, Michael Keaton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the McDonald's. whole McDonald's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of people might have missed that in cinemas when it came out. So mm. they're like, this is great now we can watch it and it's kind of one of those like I watched it myself because it was added to Netflix and it's kind of you know it's fun it's zippy it's a really kind of easy movie to watch I suppose and then they also have a bunch of their own original content so Heart of Stone is another movie that's doing really well at the moment uh, Gal Gadot and then they have like new series that are constantly being added so uh, Painkiller for example mm. and uh, the new season Pain- of Dairy Girls Painkiller 
a new season of Derry Girls. Um, so it's season three. Yeah. So if you haven't like if you weren't watching it oh. kind of when it was showing, then it might be your first time watching Derry Girls. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. mentioned Painkiller. That was, yeah. I think, the same story as Dope Sick. Yes, as Dope Sick. Yeah. Dope yeah, Sick, which yeah. was magnificent. And Painkiller is quite poor in comparison. Really? And that's what I think is quite like interesting in that like Netflix is still adding new content, but the quality isn't necessarily there. So Heart of Stone, for example, mm. is pretty rubbish. And Painkiller, honestly, when I watched it myself, I kind of felt like it was a waste of my time. Do you know, time. people always say that about Netflix. Every time I write a piece or tweet or mention you know, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime Video, people will say, oh, the quality's not there. It's just a load of rubbish I've watched. Nobody ever actually, uh, very few people actually uh, um, drop their subscriptions. If you look at the figures, they've more or less remained static or have have grown. Interesting point, though, on what why they add what they add. I've interviewed Reed Hastings, who's the Netflix CEO, a couple of times. And the first time, there was this absolute rubbish series with Famke Janssen playing a, a, a vampire. And it was about vampire and werewolves, kind of an emo gothic. Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove. <laughs> Thank Never you. That's it. why we have you on the podcast, Dave. <laughs> I watched it. And it was bizarrely sort of compelling, but it, was, it wasn't it was really good. But I asked him about it. He said, this isn't very good, if you don't mind me saying so, Reid. Um, but you've commissioned a new series of it. And he said, look, here's the thing. We know that there is a percentage of our viewership who like vampires and who like werewolves. It's only maybe three or four percent to the core. But that's millions of people. And we know that we will keep their subscriptions if we make a series about vampires and and werewolves. And that's why we make it. So even if the quality isn't there, it's a bit like the documentaries, like the true crime uh, documentary genre. It doesn't have to be absolutely amazing for someone to be into that genre. But they have to chase numbers, though. I think there's a recent report about the amount of debt they're in, and it's Mm. anywhere from 10 to 15 billion. And you look at the amount of money that they're throwing at movies like, as Dee mentions, Heart of Stone with Gal Gadot, Red Notice, these kind Mm. of very, The Grey Man, like these very kind of throwaway... I watched The Grey Man. It it was okay. Ryan Gosling is always kind of watchable. Yeah, but that was a paycheck for him, though, clearly. I mean, like, a fair play to him. Have you seen Barbie? Not yet. I will get to it, though. I saw it. Have you seen The Nice Guys? He's amazing in that. He's great at comic timing. Everyone's kind of shocked at Barbie. I haven't seen The Nice Guy, but uh, but back to Barbie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Have you seen Barbie, D? I am obsessed. (laughs) I have seen it twice. Twice? I'll probably see it again. (laughs) Okay. What did you like about it? Did you like it? Yes, yes. I absolutely loved it. And and see, I know that it probably will make its uh, way to, you know, streaming in some form. Probably Mm. like now, I'd imagine, because of the whole like Warner Brothers connection there. But I can't imagine it being as kind of magical an experience on streaming. But then again, I do see that as a movie that will translate quite well to home as well to home viewing as it will to cinema. Or are you cinema buff? Do you like going to the cinema? Oh yeah, yeah. I love going to the cinema. In fact, like all the movies um, that I watch, I, I try to get to the cinema as much as possible and then any other movies I pretty much stream. It's interesting because I was I was thinking about her um, topic today and the whole idea of watching like movies when they're shown on TV, you know, mm. on the likes of, remember RT used to have the midweek movie or the big, big movie and stuff like that. I wouldn't watch movies in that way at all anymore really? to be honest with you. Yeah. That's how I discovered The Godfather though. They, they, you'd have RT or BBC would do a late night movie at 11 o'clock. I remember as a teenager they had The Godfather three nights running. That's how I discovered that. Um, it, it's interesting. That's a, maybe it's a, a, a topic for a, a different time. I do have strong opinions on that. Maybe not the same uh, as yours. But um, So have, have either of you tried uh, the likes of Sky Glass or Sky Stream? No. No. So I have 
So basically, it's like a little set-top box Sky Stream that you plug into any television or any monitor, and it'll give you all the Sky channels. How much do you watch regular TV or traditional TV? Oh, I'd pr- oh r- uh, regular like kind of terrestrial uh, or TV, TV. BBC, ITV. Very rarely, to rarely. be honest. Rarely. I mean, like Channel 4, I would watch kind of the Channel 4 player. The I keep player. on accidentally calling it 4OD, but it is the Channel 4 player. I'm or trying to get four, that into yeah. my head. And I might watch um, something on the RT player, say, if I hear like a show is really good at the moment, like the latest season of King, if Kin, for example. Mm. I'd kind of wait till all of it showed and then I would just binge it on the so player. Is, is so. linear TV then dead to you? Pretty much. The only like shows I can think of that I would watch regularly and I think that like you know this would be fairly typical within like maybe young people would be like event TV so something like the Rose Late Late Trilly. Toy Show I actually don't watch <laughs> The Rose of Trilly I probably should get into it at some point but I just can't no. um, or maybe Eurovision but even that I'm starting to find mm. a bit too cringe to sport. watch so. <laughs> sport sport yeah. like the, the go to for me in terms of terrestrial television I, I even call it terrestrial television as I would have growing up and I would have had that thing as well where I would be waiting to read the TV guide mm. and see what would be on you know on BBC2 one night and there is a certain do they even that. still have TV guide you mean the RT guide well yeah or even like you know like a supplement that comes with a weekend newspaper or something like just the TV oh, oh yeah sorry yeah, yeah. You should, everyone should read the uh, TV guide in the newspaper <laughs> yeah exactly uh, pick it up now but I mean the thing is it, it was a much different time and it was decided for you I saw mm. a thing this week where so CITV the children's channel is shutting down after 40 years and broadcaster Philippa Forrester was on Newsnight and she was making the point that scheduled programs would actually give a universal kind of shared moment for people. That's See, this gone. Is it. This is it. I mean, Michael Parkinson, you know, God rest his soul, passed away there about a week ago. And, you know, he was at the very zenith of that idea of shared TV moments, interviews with Muhammad Ali or or whoever. We did have that in this country as well. Late, late show um, uh, with uh, what was the Annie... The, the lady who was involved with uh, the bishop from um, the west of Ireland um, will come to me in a second. Annie Murphy is her name. Thank you. Uh, things like that, like moments that really changed, uh, changed our culture or that informed our culture. And you do sort of wonder, uh, is there any of that left other than sport, other than, you know, like, where's the Italian 90 moment coming from? You know, uh, it, it, it's, is, is it just gone? Honestly, the closest example I can think of would be, say, reality television. So something like Love Island, which is shown like every night. Now, I didn't watch the last season of Love Island. I think that for many, uh, for me and a lot of my mm. friends, it's just kind of been the cutoff point since the Ekin Sue and Davide uh, season, which in fairness was like a, a high point, I think, of television. And those two are just like wow. couple goals and amazing, even though they have broken up since. Uh, but I think that we do get a lot of those iconic, you know, uh, TV moments from reality. And you can see how they've kind of been repackaged and now they become like TikTok reels and stuff like that. And you find that, you know, a lot of um, young people, they're not even watching the show mm. as it's airing on TV. They're just watching all of the clips on TikTok and that's how they're consuming TV now. Do you know, now. I actually do nuts. that a bit myself on YouTube. Yeah. If I'm watching YouTube for, for a while, I'll watch it like, like TikTok and mm-hmm. it knows what my shows are and it'll play me two and a half minute spots from The Wire, season two or yeah. season four or whatever. I'll watch them. I'll watch them for 30 minutes straight. But some people might say, well, what about things like the finale of Succession or Game of Thrones? And I know that, relatively speaking, hardly anyone actually watches those shows. Like, hardly anyone. I remember seeing a, a figure, um, Mad Men. You know the way The Guardian and w- we all used to go on about Mad Men. It had something like a few hundred thousand viewers in total. 
it, it was it was hardly anyone watched it. And we go on about succession and we Game of Thrones. And I was a fan, certainly Game of Thrones. But even with that few people watching, is that the closest we're going to come outside reality TV, outside sport? Is that the closest we're going to come to a kind of a community moment? There's always going to be something that will take the place of the monoculture. I mean, I think back to stuff like Lost, like that television mm. show when it was on. That was appointment television. That was like, I remember a friend calling around to my house once when there was an episode on and I was like, wait 10 minutes. I'll see you mm. in 10 minutes. I have to I have to see the end of the show. Mm-hmm. That's different now. It doesn't really happen anymore. Succession's an interesting example because yes, the ratings might have been as high as they would have been in, you know, at peak TV, but it did feel with that one where it was like, you have to see that straight away. So was that just among peer groups? Because really, if you look in total at the number of people, I mean, in Ireland, in the UK, who watched Succession, 10%? I think maybe it's a bubble thing, like a social social media situation where the people that you follow who are watching the show are going to talk about it. That's what I mean, like pockets. Yeah, Game of Thrones was bigger and that did feel like one of the last great ones because it's in this weird transitional space between the sitting down and watching it on, you know, Sky Atlantic or whichever Mm. versus now people, uh, like the rise of illegal streaming, of course, is everywhere as well. We have to take that into consideration. Mm. But yeah, the days are gone of The Sopranos or something where it was full on. I have to see it at half nine on Monday on Network 2. And if I don't see it then, well, I hope someone taped it. We've too much options, though. I mean, what you were saying there about the kind of algorithm, like feeding you the wire, and we all love the wire, it's the best show ever. But does that mean that you're never challenged, that you're only going to be seeing the things that you already like? I mean, is there a conversation to be had about us just kind of regurgitating the same thing over and over again? Okay, so answer that theory, answer that rhetorical question. What do you think the antidote to that should be? Someone programming a schedule for you, aka traditional television that we've all walked away from. A traditionalist. Well, like, but I'm guilty of the same things though, and and I will watch the same. But do you then think? Do you think that somehow, from a policy perspective or incentive or through funding, for example, that it would be better for us socially, from a civilization point of view, to have more of those uh, those linear moments? Those those centrally funded uh, moments, as you're kind of referring to, that were not in in all of these silos. I mean, variety is the spice of life, and what I would say is that the problem, though, is that we all like our comforts. And for example, I'm more likely to just chill out in my room with my television as opposed to go to the living room to watch television when I could watch it via my laptop, you know, on the RT player. So, or what do we have so, to do to make you go to the living room to watch it with everyone else? Then? I don't know. I think the horse is bolted. Uh, is the problem, and I just okay, I, I don't so know. You're the problem. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, no. But okay. but I've gone from one to the other. I've gone from the sitting it with a you know a CRT TV back in the day when I was in school to just having too much choice. We have too much choice now. Mm. This is the problem. But w- Yeah, sorry, D. No, just to add to that, I actually think that the streaming culture that we currently live in is very much a part of like modern day living and even like modern day humanity. You know, it is about freedom of choice. It's also about individualization. You can subscribe to whatever service you want. You could just watch nonstop costume dramas if you wanted. Mm. You can watch them on your phone on the way into work if you want. Uh, you can come home and you can watch a few episodes of uh, your new favourite show or you can just go back and watch the same show over and over again. I think that we're living in a society that's so much more um, individualized than it's ever been before. And I also think that um, contemporary streaming culture is very kind of reflective of um, modern working life. I think that this is just from my own observation. I think that people, you know, human beings are working harder than they ever have before. And when they come home, they just want to sit down and watch TV and just veg out. And they want to be able to kind of pick and choose 
choose whatever they want to. So, but Dave's even, making the point that that's yeah. that there can be culturally downsides to that. Yeah, to having I too to having so. too much choice, to yeah. having too much of an individual um, opportunity, for yeah. example. I mean, I think the only way that we can maybe come back to that whole community feel is that when somebody gives you a recommendation that you actually go and watch it and then you go back to said individual and say, I watched this program. But I think that people are far too uh, driven towards their own wants and needs yeah. now See, when it comes to consumption. I remember when I was a kid watching TV, for example, I mean, we would watch what was ever on TV. So we ended up, we watched, ended up watching four hours of snooker. Snooker. It's pretty TV. addictive though. Can, Snooker. Yeah. Uh, Cliff Thorborn and Steve Davis and Ray Reardon and We had know. our Italian ninety moment though with Ken Doherty in ninety seven. And I remember we were all gathered around the TV for that as well. That was an actual event that which and again, as you say, yes, snooker. Yeah. A very quiet sonambulant sport, but it, it worked in that setting, I think. Yeah. Um, what I want to know though is like how often do we do we waste time? Gonna watch a movie. I'm, it's ten o'clock. I want to watch a movie because I've got mm. a letterbox account and I want to add to it or whatever. And which, again, in and of itself, I'm like, is this healthy? But I'll spend an hour. Seinfeld has a good routine about that. Back in the day, he's just like, just go to bed. So, you know, <laughs> no, you're just standing there with a remote control and you're, you know, looking for more entertainment. Just yeah. go to bed. And Seinfeld's on Netflix, by the way, which I would say is a good reason to have an Netflix account. Fair enough. You got me back in, mm. but. I've I've wasted the length of a film looking to watch a film and I'm just scrolling through film yep. after film after film and I can't, my brain won't actually make a decision and I'm like what's going on what kind You're of psychological of wasting your precious time so much that you will just <laughs> take the intros from each yeah it's a nightmare yeah you just healthy. window shopping the whole time um, so the services are going to go up in price um, Bob Iger Disney CEO said that he thought thinks their service is just way too cheap at eight nine ten. To be fair, in terms of market demand, he's probably right in terms of what the market will pay for that particular service. Anyone with a family with kids, with the kind of IP they have there in it, with movies and films, they probably will uh, spend more than uh, nine euro a month. Where do you think the cutoff point is? What, realistically, I have my own views on this. I, I think probably people will pay more uh, for the services they like. What do you think? Where do you think we're going with this? Are are we... Will people take an extra, will they pay an extra fiver or tenner a month? Um, are we headed down a route towards inevitable um, amalgamation of a few of them into like a package? What, what do you think? Yeah, again, I feel like it's going to be really down to kind of individualized reactions. Um, I know that, for example, in my um, in my parents' home, they've decided that Disney Plus had to make the cut recently because of the general uh, price uh, price rises. Mm. They had to pick one of them, and unfortunately, Disney Plus was the one to bite the dust. Um, like like I kind of was talking about earlier, I feel like for us, it'd probably be now because it always bugs me when I go onto that service and I see all their recommendations and they've mixed the movies with the TV, but you have to buy separate packages for each that just really irks me for whatever reason um, especially because some of the movies that they have are so like new and ones I might have missed and then mm. I'm like tempted but then I'm like but then I have to buy a whole new subscription to that um, and frankly I'm just kind of running out of shows uh, to watch on now at the moment so I, I mean I don't see anything happening in the future of all of these services you know 
coming together for the sake of the user. I think that all of these um, streamers are going to be very much like protecting their little slice of the pie, to be honest. Okay. It's um, a war. Like, I mean, they're not going to like, like, for, like they might talk you know, a great game about how the consumer is the at the heart of everything. But that doesn't mean that we get the best deal. And that would require Netflix and Amazon buying each other out or making some kind of partnership. But that's not going to happen. And even Jeff well, Bezos... Would that even be a good thing, though? Not I mean, necessarily. No. I mean, like Jeff Bezos, like the reason that The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is an unbelievably, the most expensive show mm. in, in history. It wasn't reason, great, by the way. It wasn't great. And the reason it exists is because he wanted a Game of Thrones rival. He wanted mm. something to, on his thing that would, no one Look, else had. the minute they announced they were going to do it, I was like, like, you know, two years ago, I was, I'm not cancelling Prime. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to, they probably got maybe 10 months or 12 months out of Prime more from me. Just and they might have. It, yeah. um, but also on the expense thing, even in a cost of living crisis, there's an interesting kind of rationale because you do rationalize it. You're like, oh, look, it's only an extra two euro. Like if I go out with my friends on the weekend, I'm going to spend, you know, five also, times that. So we, most of us don't go to the cinema as much as we used to. That's which, which a, is a saving. Shame. Yeah, it's a shame, but it's also a monthly saving of at least thirty euro. You can justify it as well because I mean, even like the Disney Library, they've got like Marvel, Star Wars, you know, Fox, yeah. whichever. You know, they like it is good value for money. And even with next two euro, again, I'm like, well, it's next two euro. It's like what? Well, it's like a not good enough for you to subscribe to Netflix though. Twenty ninety nine. It's a lot of money. <laughs> last question: um, the strike the writer's strike in, in Hollywood. Do you think that's going to affect things here? Will there not be enough for us to to watch in three years' time when we start seeing the effect of it? Oh, I'm very concerned about this. I mean, we would have kind of already seen, you know, the effect of um, the pandemic on kind of TV and movie production, how like, you know, the release of a number of uh, shows and films were delayed. Um, yeah, I would be very concerned with the writer's strike uh, happening at the moment because the kind of powers that be in Hollywood have really like dug their heels in. And I think that what the writers are asking for is quite reasonable. I mean, the the whole idea of maintaining um, quality of writing and quality of production, it means everyone's a winner. You know, they get paid rightly for their work and we as the consumer get better quality of, um, you know, of cinema and of TV because it could easily uh, become the future that you just put an algorithm in a computer, insert a few, you know, episodes and then you get a, a TV episode of, you know, But, but according to what you were saying earlier on, that might be a choice that some people might like. You know, our mm -hmm. busy lives, we know what we want. We, we sort of know the type of thing yeah. we want. So there's an algorithm in there that lets me do that. Yeah. Ooh, that's kind of attractive. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it is nice to just come home and watch some rubbishy TV. But but then but then a show will come along that completely like kind of opens you up and changes your perspective on life. And I think it's so important that we still get those kind mm. of shows and mm. movies. So this is life for the humans left. What do you think, Dave? Um, I think this is a case of the industry kind of reaping what it has sown. Uh, there's been some very strong journalism in recent months. Vulture had this incredible piece about how things have changed in terms of the TV industry and, you know, how much it's all about content now. But if you're not treating the people who make the content, you know, in a humane way and paying them what they deserve, well, then this is inevitably going to happen. So I'm not like, I, I understand the concerns that Dee speaks of, but I'm, I'm like, if this is what it takes to treat TV writers and TV showrunners with a bit more class, fine. I can deal with not having some Netflix junk food. Sorry, Netflix. Again, but like, you know, yeah, we, we might find, find ourselves in a situation where we have to stop and assess what we already have. But like I say, we already have too much. And I know, I know I sound like, oh, my diamond shoes are too tight here. But I do think that there's just way too much options and it does overwhelm the brain. 
I look forward to the Snooker World Championships uh, this year. Dee Malumbi, audience editor at independent.ie uh, and pop culture expert. Dave Hanratty, arts and culture journalist, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks to Mary Carroll, who produced, to Gav Hennessy, who's on the sound, and to Conan Doherty, who was on video. From me, Adrian Weckler, you've been watching or listening to The Big Tech Show here in association with Square. We'll talk to you at the same time next week. Bye-bye. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel.